But it is a flashback Friday where we like to sit back and catch up with our sporting stars of years gone by. And we hope you enjoyed our interview last week with former runner Lawrence Pew. Uh, tonight, though, we're going to talk football and we'll be joined all the way from the Netherlands by a man who has played 43 times for Bafana Bafana. He was the number one at South Africa's first World Cup in France, 98. Played the majority of his career in his adopted land of uh, the Netherlands before returning home for two different spells in South Africa. One of the most reliable and trusted goalkeepers and is now a football administrator. And Johannes Adrianus Fonk. Okay, we rather call him Hans Fonk. Hans Fonk is going to be our guest uh, this evening. Let's find out more about this man that many of us knew about for the first time when he represented Bafana Bafana. Hans Fonk was born in Albertin, from what we've always been told, but he grew up in the Netherlands and he will tell us about his journey and his story. And we are honored to be speaking to him on SAFM this evening. And then later on in the show, we're going to talk form- Formula E briefly because SABC Sport has secured the rights starting tomorrow. So we'll find out more about this partnership and what we can expect from Formula E. But first up, uh, we can't keep the men waiting any longer. We're going to speak to the legendary Hans Fonk, a Bafana legend. I'm sure there's no questions about that. And you can send us your voice notes to this WhatsApp number if you have any questions or comment or any games you remember of Hans Fonk. I can already see on social media people have started to tweet us way before the show. They're excited to hear from Hans Fonk. So that number is 061-4104-107. Zanzi's Sporting Milestones, Moments and Stories. Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musia. And without wasting any further time, let's welcome our guest, Hans Funk, on the line. Hans, good evening from us in South Africa. Thank you very much for being able to speak to us uh, this evening. Good evening from Amsterdam. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to be on your show. And uh, I think it was a beautiful introduction, by the way. <laughs> Great. I'm glad. Yeah. Glad you approve, Hans. How, how's life that side, though, in Amsterdam in the midst of COVID? How are you guys doing? We cannot complain. We have uh, our limitations on this side of the world. Uh, not, so, not so bad, not so harsh. Uh, we can uh, do a lot of things, but uh, working from home and uh, the normal things that uh, I think has been uh, installed over the year. But life is still good. Would you say they've got the situation under control, that side? No, not really. Uh, also, in Europe, there's a lot of uh, discussions about vaccination programs uh, up, going, and uh, um, minor of less uh, numbers, but it's not really clear. Uh, so, uh, also, but uh, after one year, we, I think we stopped complaining and we just live <laughs> our lives. Have you been vaccinated at least, Hans? Not yet, not mm-hmm. yet. I'm in the middle because I'm still... I think I'm still not registered in Holland, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm not in uh, in the loop, I think. But uh, I'll wait for other people to have their vaccination first because I'm healthy. I had COVID, survived it, uh, and uh, I'm not too afraid about it. Okay, no, good man. You're a good man, Hans. Yeah. And, and generally, yeah. I mean, what keeps you busy these days? Uh, I'm working from uh, Amsterdam, in Amsterdam, with uh, Ajax in Amsterdam. Mm. Um, we are uh, um, we have an department called the Ajax Coaching Academy that uh, provides and also uh, runs all the overseas projects that Ajax does. One of them was, I think, uh, well known in South Africa. That was Ajax Cape Town. Unfortunately, that has ended. But we're still uh, involved in many other projects in in China, in Australia, Japan, uh, also in the United Arabs, and hopefully soon in Mexico and in Canada. So a lot of things uh, uh, are going on at the moment. And that's in Ajax and Amsterdam. That's beside, of course, the, the first team. 
that's trying to win the league every year and also the famous youth academy that they're running already for many years. Okay, that's wonderful. And how do you feel about Ajax Amsterdam ending their partnership with Ajax Cape Town? We've seen now they've even changed the, the name now, Ajax Cape Town. Yeah, lots, lots of me said about it. Uh, I think it's, it's very, very sad. Uh, 21 years of partnership has, has come to an end. I think it brought a lot of good things to, uh, to South Africa, to Cape Town, uh, Cape Town football uh, in general. And, um, and what it made it special was the, the eye and the focus on youth development. I think it's crucial and that's, I think, what's missing at the moment uh, as far as I can see from Holland. But uh, especially focusing on youth development, I think that's, that's a fantastic uh, um, uh, thing to do. And uh, that's, that's gone now and that's a pity. And amongst many issues, is it safe to say that Ajax Amsterdam were also not happy with the talent coming through from South Africa in recent years? Maybe they weren't getting what they had expected. Yeah, but uh, that's true. But that's not, uh, that's not the whole story. Uh, I think if Ajax Amsterdam would have put more effort in it from Amsterdam towards Cape Town, I think more youth or more talented players would have come through. So there's always two sides of a story. Um, as we all know, sometimes, um, or sometimes, it happens that, uh, that um, and I must say it in a very diplomatic way, uh, <laughs> that you don't get along very well uh, uh, on, on certain levels. Mm. But it, it's always coming from both sides. It's not one party that's to blame. So uh, more effort from Ajax, uh, from Amsterdam towards Cape Town would have helped. And also vice versa. I think a better relationship uh, between both clubs would have helped. And maybe uh, we will still have an Ajax Cape Town at the moment. But uh, one of the reasons why they quit was the fact that they said, yeah, there's not enough talent coming through. And that was true. Yes, and we were all shocked when you left. You were technical director and then you left. I know you released a statement after that with the previous coach, Olderink, and the club was doing so well at the time. You, you must also be disappointed at how things ended for you personally. Yeah, I was. It was a very, very big, big uh, disappointment. Um, I thought we were on the right way with uh, Ajax. The mission was, of the, our goal was to bring, come back to PSL football. I think uh, it would have been possible, especially when uh, if Andries Uldring would have stayed. As a coach, for me always, my role as technical director was on the background. Mm. But uh, I always believed if you have a good coach, and um, in my time we had a good coach with Fopadaan, and you could see what kind of results we had that time. Yeah. Good coaching can make a big difference in, in South African football. And Andres was on the right way. We were on the right way. But unfortunately, we couldn't finish our job. And just as somebody who's played in both sides there, I mean, why, why do you think that we're not producing that, that quality talent as South Africans like we did when we sent Benny McCarthy, Steven Pinar and all these guys to Ajax Amsterdam? Yeah, <laughs> if I have that answer, I would have changed it. Uh, <laughs> or we, we could have changed it. There's many... Uh, reasons why you can uh, um, uh, say I don't know exactly because uh, as you said in in my my generation of players and not only Benny and uh, Stephen Pinar but also uh, Mark Fish, Lucas Radebe, uh, Matsinga, John Michoud who passed away, we had fantastic players um, that made it overseas that also made it in in Europe uh, and I, I forget a lot of names I think but. Uh, nowadays we don't produce those players or they're not successful in Europe anymore. I don't know why. It's, it's very difficult. Maybe it's a lack of youth structure, youth development, lack of good coaches. Um, maybe club bosses are focusing too much on the first teams. I think there's many reasons why, why it's not working out for us at the moment, for South Africa at the moment. And it's a pity. And I don't have the solution. Otherwise, uh, uh, we, well, we try to solve it with Ice Cape Town. 
focusing on youth development, even tra- creating our own league where we can play strength versus strength. So the, the talented players always play good play- games every weekend. But uh, it needs time. And sometimes uh, we were not given that time. Yeah. Let's talk about Hans Funk now and Hans Funk's journey because you came to our attention obviously in South Africa when you started playing for Bafana Bafana. But we've always been told that you were born in Albertin, Hans Funk. How, how long did yeah. you live in South Africa for in your <laughs> early years? Yeah, I always feel a little bit sorry to say that, but I only was there for two years. <laughs> the so, first two years yeah, of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that's what it is. Yeah. And then my uh, my parents uh, decided to move back to Holland. They stayed there for twelve years, by the way. Mm-hmm. But when I was uh, two years old, they um, they decided to go back to Holland, and and uh, they raised me in Holland until, uh, as you mentioned, uh, about uh, twenty six years later. In was it 1998, 1997, mm. when uh, I came, or people saw that I was playing in Holland as a professional goalkeeper and. And, uh, and my return to South African was happening at that time. Yeah. yeah. So are your parents South Africans or are they from that side? No, they're very Dutch. They're very Dutch. And they moved to South Africa or they immigrated to South Africa. Like many people at that time in Holland, mm-hmm. uh, went to Australia, Canada. And my parents decided to go to South Africa. Don't ask me why. <laughs> we, they didn't have really a reason. No, they didn't have really a reason. They thought, let's try our luck. They were bored and they were not uh, happy in, in Europe. So they mm-hmm. tried to Build up a new life somewhere else in the world. Oh, okay. No, now we've got that story. And mm. just growing up then, when you started playing in the junior structures, that side, firstly, how are the junior football structures in Holland? <laughs> Very structured. <laughs> uh, no, you can, I think you can compare it with rugby in South Africa. It's uh, already from, uh, from school level. Uh, you play in decent leagues, decent competitions every week. Uh, we had decent coaches, also not the best in the beginning when you play at amateur level. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky with my brother. We had a little bit more talent than the rest around us. So we were uh, spotted or uh, recognized by uh, uh, scouts from a uh, very good amateur team, top amateur teams in Holland. So we made a move from a small team to a, a bigger team. And again, we were recognized by prof clubs, uh, professional clubs in Holland. So at the age of 18, without even knowing it, because professional football was never in my mind like everyone I want to study trying to make a, a, a normal living but suddenly uh, a scout from a professional team said hey listen can you can play for us there was RKC in Waalwijk they're still in I think they're in the first league again in Holland now mm-hmm. and then I ended up to be a professional football player without even knowing that's exactly what it happened there was no structure like I was recognized over the age of six and already in a professional setup no I played my whole youth at amateur level until 18. Oh. And were you, were you always a goalkeeper? Yeah, and that had everything to do with my length. I was uh, very skinny, but also very long. And my brother said, he was a bit older than me, he said, listen, if you can stand in the goal, then I can shoot as hard as I can. <laughs> and from the age of six, we, uh, we never changed that. And he, at which position did your brother play? <laughs> he was a left winger. Uh-huh. You know, in, in, in Holland, they say always, there's two positions in, in the field that are a little bit weird. Of course, first of all, that's a goalkeeper. Mm. We, us, we goalkeepers, we are not normal people. We're not no normal footballers. But also the left wingers have a little bit of, uh, I don't know what, in their uh, minds. But yeah. that's the saying in Holland. Yeah, that's strange people. But very creative and also uh, different than the rest. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Van Persie, Iron Robin, just at the top of my head. Yeah, I was also thinking about a South African example. But Which one? He was, uh, yeah, I don't know. Buckley. <laughs> Buckley was a bit strange. Yeah, uh, CP was Shawalala, but he played more in the midfield. Now yeah. he was not only really the left winger. 
Let me think about it. Maybe I'll get yeah. to one. And, yeah. and, and you've mentioned your time at RKC Valvik, but a lot of us know you from your time at Herenvien. What kind of a yeah. club was that? Or what kind of a club yeah. is it? Herenvien was a very strict and organized club who uh, uh, took small steps uh, from uh, the bottom of the first league in my time to, um, to, uh, to playing uh, Champions League football yes. uh, six years later. Uh, small steps, every year a little bit better, buying uh, players overseas uh, from Scandinavia and buying uh, players that were not that famous yet or good yet and develop them. It, it was all about development in every aspect uh, in the club, also in, in the offices, but also on the field. With Mr. Fopper de Haan as my coach, I think uh, many people in South Africa still uh, recognize or know him. Mm-hmm. And it was building to uh, on a good uh, a good team. And we 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 here in they bought players like Ruud van Isterhoy when he was only 18, 90 years old. Oh. Uh, nobody knew him. They bought him for one million, and a year later they sold him for 15 million uh, guldens that time to PSV Eindhoven, and after that, he, oh, well, he played for Man United, I think we all know him. Mm-hmm. But that was the idea. So buying young, talent, talented players, and then um, creating a team with a little bit older players, and then s- slowly, but um, with a good idea of uh, understanding of football, uh, try to uh, be the best in Holland. We never won the league. I yeah. think we ended up second once. But uh, being part of Champions League in 2000, I think, was a big achievement for that club. It was not about big money. It mm-hmm. was about being smart with little money. So it was it was so well organized. It was it was a pleasure there. For, I think, trainings wise, and that was because of Mr. Fopperdaan. It was the best time of my career. Yeah, and and you played almost three hundred games from them, from what we've seen. But I read one of the interviews where you once said a lot of people though remember you from your days at Ajax, even yeah. though you were the number two goalkeeper. Why is that? Yeah. Even number three, I started as number three. <laughs> but the idea behind it was to become number two. I knew one of the two other goalkeepers were about to leave. Yeah. But it's funny because that's the name of Ajax. That's a, it's, it's a brand all over the world, of course. started in the 70s with Johan Cruyff and later the successes in winning the Champions League in '95. So the brand Ajax is, is, is absolutely fantastic all over the world. And nowadays, when I'm in Cape Town or somewhere else, they recognize me of... If they don't uh, misunderstand me with uh, Matthew Boot, they recognize me as a goalkeeper of uh, Bafana Bafana, but also uh, of a goalkeeper from Ajax. And I only played there two years. We yeah. didn't even win the league in that time. But Ajax is it's so much more a brand in in the world than uh, than Heerenveen, which is funny for me. But it is what it is. Who, who was the number one? Was it Stecklenburg at the time? He was uh, number two, and we had Bogdan Lobont. He's a goalkeeper from Romania. Ah. And when I joined them, I knew the goalkeeper very well. He said, listen, one of the two is leaving. They can't stay both. Mm. So just come and join us. And then after the, um, when the transfer window closes, one of, the, one of the two will be gone, like in August, September. But I think the one, uh, Bogdan Lobont, I think he had a very terrible, was it, a, a knee uh, injury. And then uh, Stegenberg took over. And I was still there as, as a number two, which was better. And then Stegenberg didn't perform, and then I was suddenly the goalkeeper for Ajax 8. And I played quite a lot of games in Ajax over two seasons, so it was, it was a very nice time as well. Did you play more than you expected as the number three goalkeeper? Much more, yeah. Well, I was at that time a Bafana Bafana goalkeeper. It's yeah. not nice to be the number three in your club. But with the idea behind it of becoming number two and challenging for number one, that was okay. So after a while, uh, I got where I wanted to be, so that was, that was good. And Ajax was is by far the best club in Holland, uh, but very hard. If you don't perform, it's, it's, it is, it's very hard. You have to win every game, and not only winning, but also playing nice football, which was 
Okay, for those who are just joining us, we are catching up with uh, Bafana Bafana legend, uh, goalkeeper Hans Funk. They're joining us all the way from Amsterdam, just looking back at his journey and his uh, career. And you can send us your voice notes to 061-4104-107. The lines are open on 011-714-2006 also. Now, Hans, I mentioned that you came to our attention when you played for Bafana Bafana. How did that come about? Did you start thinking now about playing for South Africa or did South Africa approach you? <laughs> the first one that ever approached me was, uh, I think, uh, the world-famous uh, uh, Mark Leeson. In '95, <laughs> he already, <laughs> I think, a well-respected colleague of you as yes, well. Yes, definitely. Um, um, he was the first one that came to me in '95, um, I think, '96, when I was still playing for RKC in Waalwijk to make an article about me. He was traveling all over Europe looking for players that had something to do with. Uh, um, South Africa. So I remember Mark, I picked him up from the train station at that, and that time it was possible. Fantastic story. And we're still friends. Funny enough, we, every now and then we have a nice braai when I'm in Cape Town. And, uh, but he was the one, the first one that recognized me. But uh, I think it all started with another reporter. His name was Peter Outerheiden. Yes, uh, yes, I lost I track of him. I don't, I don't know where he is at the moment. But he was the, then, he was then uh, in 98 when South Africa qualified for the World Cup of 97. I think they qualified already. He was the one that really made it happen and was looking for players like, or made a, a, a report of it, or with Delvin Buckley, I think, in that time, Pierre Issa, me, and I think there were a few others, but they never made it. But uh, So those two people were the first one that uh, brought it to the attention, and then uh, one day I met uh, Mr. Dan Jordan in Amsterdam at the train station, and we chatted, and that was also a funny story, because see, the first time we met was in Amsterdam, was the day before Ajax played against Heerenveen, and I was playing for Heerenveen. So he was also joining and, and looking to, in that game the next day. The score was 8-2. We lost with 8-2. <laughs> and then he, he spoke the legendary words to me. He said, Hans, but how can I explain that to the people in South Africa? But <laughs> that we are about to try to become you a South African goalkeeper and you're losing or conceding eight goals. I said to Mr. Yodando, I think a better time shall come. And it was, it was better. But it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it started. Oh, wow, that's an interesting story there. And credit then to the likes of Mark Lisson and Peter. By the way, Peter still writes, still writes. I see his stuff in the City Press. Yeah, I think he's a freelance writer. Okay. I see his okay, stuff good. once in a while. And and then good. from then, how long did it take for you then to come to South Africa then and start now being in, in being mentioned for Bafana Bafana? Uh, after uh, me being recognized, they called me already in, uh, I think, uh, just before the African Cup of Nations. The, mm-hmm. uh, was it 97? Or January ninety eight. I don't exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that one. Yeah, and they say they asked me if they want to be part of it, but then here in Vain didn't agree the club, so I couldn't play that uh, tournament. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think the first camp was somewhere in March in Europe when all the European-based players were invited to a camp. Not sure it was already on the new coach Philippe Trouget, but uh, mm-hmm. there we were. It's all the. European-based players, also like with Benny and Shoes and uh, Lucas Radepe and all of them. And then we had a camp, and that went well. And after that camp, they say, listen, now I think we have a, we see a future for you in South African football if you want. We can see whether we can get you a South African citizenship, passport, etc., with what we all needed for, to become a, a full member of Bafana Bafana. And, uh, of course, I had my doubts because it was, for me, totally new. Mm. Um, back of the mind, I still want to be also part of the Dutch national team, but... Um, at that time, I was not, uh, I think I was number four or five in, in a row and never be able to make it, never be able to play the game. So as a second uh, option at that time, uh, Bafana Bafana was uh, very interesting for me. 
Oh, and did you play um, in the in the in the in the youth teams of of the Netherlands? I did once. Uh, I think I played a game for the Holland under twenty one team in uh, in Volendam, but that didn't, didn't qualify as an official uh, match. So you could still change uh, uh, your nationality yes, you can, yeah. or you want to call it. Yeah. So the rules are uh, like nowadays. Or, uh, it happens often mm-hmm. in Holland. We have many players from. Turkish background, Moroccan background, that they make a decision when they are 21, 22. At that time, I think it was quite exceptional for someone to uh, change or to play for another country that, that he lived in. That's it's, so it was exceptional, yeah, yeah. at that and, time. And I would think it's something you had to discuss with, with the family. How was the reaction? Oh, no, that was not a problem. They, uh, I think they were very supportive, especially my parents who knew South Africa quite well. They said, just follow your heart and, and, and do the best you can ever uh, do. So I did, and I must say it was very difficult in the beginning. I still remember the first training camp and the first time in South Africa playing football in a different continent. It was it was very hard, very hard to get in line with uh, uh, philosophy, uh, the culture that I've never really experienced because I only stayed there for two years. Mm. So in the beginning, I, it was very difficult, but with the support of the family back home and also von Heerenveen because they were also proud that, uh, that, uh, that I became uh, international for South Africa, uh, everything came right. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. And of, of once again, let me remind you: the lines are open. We'll play your voice note shortly on oh six one four one zero four one zero seven. And was playing in a World Cup a goal for you? Was it an ambition for you? Did it become attractive for you, Hans? I think it's attractive for any player in the world <laughs> if you can play uh, in a World Cup for uh, for your country. Although for me, South Africa felt like a, a bit of a strange country at, at that time. But um, you know what? When you're on the field, you forget about your background and you just want to play. Uh, you want to play games, you want to win games, and if you can do that at a World Cup level, well, who wouldn't do that? Yeah. And and what did you make of the talent here in South Africa when you came for the first time? What did you make of the players and, and how they played their football? It was fantastic for me. I played with oh. players that were much better than my play, my colleagues at Heron Vane. Again, my generation of footballers, our generation at that time, with uh, if, if you look at the World Cup uh, 98, the team, I think... Uh, was Lucas Rodebe, uh, Mark Fish, uh, Pierre Issa in the back, David Niati left back, in midfield, uh, Sean Mishu, uh Quinton Fortune, I think, uh, I missed one or two midfielders, Helman and Kelele on the right, uh, Sean uh, Bartlett up front, or Philip Masinga, sure. uh, and now I missed one on the left again. But there were so many, so good players. Sean Mishu's by far the best player I played with on the midfield. <laughs> uh, I, no, but Sean was, uh, but beside the fact that he was such a good footballer, he was also sure. a, a fantastic person. Unfortunately, he passed away. But mm. from those players, I really enjoyed playing. And later on, of course, Stephen Pinar came a bit later. He was also good. And Tulani Shirero was the next generation, also a good player. But for me, those players at that time, and I think I forget a few, but sorry about that. That's they were really good. Really, really good. It was, echt, it was, it was a pleasure to play with them. And I thought I played at a decent level in here in Vain. But when I saw those players <laughs> playing for all the teams in, in Europe, it was fantastic. Well, they won the African Cup of Nations in... 96. Help yeah. me, 96, yeah. yeah. And then almost in uh, 98 again. Yeah. And if you look at... Yeah, Burkina Faso. And if you look at the World Cup, I think uh, we did pretty well. The first game against France mm. was not very successful, losing 3-0. Mm. But... Uh, um, Draw against Denmark 2-2, uh, 1-1. And later on, I think the game against Saudi Arabia, we should have won. And then we even qualified for the next round, which was a pity we didn't. But uh, as a first-time um, 
team on the World Cup. I think we did pretty well. Yeah. And okay, let's play a couple of voice notes. If Hans can't hear, and then we wanna we're gonna just tell you what they were saying. Hans, just bear with us. Good evening, Kabiso and Hans Funk there. Uh, just have a, a, a short question for him. What advice would he give to Itumelengune, whom we know is definitely the best goalkeeper, one of the best we have? Uh, he's struggling with his form. He's not. Uh, he tends to make costly mistakes. I'm sure as a fellow goalkeeper, you've been there, Hans. So what advice would you give our Itu? Because we, we, we are worried because he's one of our best goalkeepers. What advice would you give him? This is Teragai one week in the corner. Evening, dear member. Tudani from Holland. Can you please ask Mr. Hans Fong there, what is the biggest difference between South Africa and Holland? Because... When it comes to South Africa, players are home-brewed and Holland are structured. They are taught what to do or what not to do with the ball, on and off the ball. But South Africans, they can teach themselves in the street. What's the big difference from his observation? Thanks. Okay, thanks, Tulani. I'm not sure if you were able to hear Hans, but... Um, no, tell, I didn't. Uh, apologies I didn't. for that. We're going to try and fix that connection. But the first mm. question from... The second question from Tulani, I'll start with that. He wants to know what's the big difference between South African football and, and football in Holland? Yeah. As we always say, okay, uh, technically, I think both players are um, from Holland and from South Africa technically are almost the same. Sometimes this one is a bit better than the other one. But if you look at... Um, um, in st- thinking and playing in structured, uh, well, we always call it structured football. Um, I think um, European players are a bit more developed. It also depends mm-hmm. on the coaching that they get. But I, uh, over the years, I've learned that okay, South Africa has its own style. And um, you can't compare that with Europe. You don't want to change that into European football. South Africa should always keep its South African um, um, yeah, uh, style of play. Uh, don't change that. Uh, but to have it more, a little bit more in a structured uh, way, and um, structured way, I mean more composed, and especially towards uh, towards when it comes to uh, making goals, I think that would really help because I think one of the things that's really lacking in South Africa is good strikers that can uh, can finish. So there is there is a lot of difference between the two uh, two players, South African or European based players, but also not so much. Technically, they're both more the same. South African players technically are brilliant. But then transfer that technique into, you know, winning games in technical awareness on the field. That's that's something else. But that you need good coaches. I mean, if, again, for me, better coaches would really help South African football going forward. Yes, and there was another question about Itumel and Kune. He's lost a bit of mm. form. He's been struggling this season, and they wanted to know what advice would you give him. Yeah, that's really difficult because I'm from far away judging about him uh, yeah. without knowing all the facts. Uh, when I was uh, about to finish my career with uh, Bafana Bafana, he was the upcoming goalkeeper and I've never seen such a natural talent uh, in, in, in what he does on the field. His, uh, his distribution was by far the best from every goalkeeper that I've, I've seen in my career. Um, along the way, um, uh, with all respect to Ezra Malenga, I think sometimes... He didn't really look fit to me as a as a goalkeeper. I think it could have been a bit better than I saw, but I don't know the facts behind it. What happened? How is his life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when when he really focused on being a professional football player, I think he's got many many more years to go. Yeah. Okay. Let's play more voice notes. I think you might be able to hear now. I hope so. 
Tabiso and the legend here. Ah, the less I think about why he was not in goals in Korea, the better. But yeah, the man, sure, he, he had something new in the polls, man. Yeah, you could see that the man was trained to be there, not just because the team was short of a goalkeeper. Anyway, sure, good to hear the man, Mawande from Ulove. Good evening, Tabiso. And good evening to your guest, uh, Hasfog. Um, Tabiso, you speaking to Theo Matot here in Kabecha. Man, Tabiso, I've got uh, two questions to your guest. Um, the first question is, how, by the time I was in South Africa and playing for K, K, uh, Ice Cape Town, how did it felt when they lost the league? I think it was two or three, it was a game or two before the end of the season, after they've played the whole season very well. Secondly, my question is, if he's still following the South African soccer, what he thinks needs to be changed by uh, in the SAFA so that the national team can do better, like qualifying for the World Cup and the uh, Cup of Nations, uh, just like by the time he was still in Bafana Bafana. Thank you. Good evening, member, and good evening, Aspong. Uh, can you please ask Pong, what does he make of South African goalkeeper training? Does he think that we are doing it right? Looking at the likes of Darren Kit, Idmelon Kune, the likes of uh, the late Zemiwa and the young one. Hey, good evening, Tabiso and Uhans. Um, Tabiso, my, my question is what happened to the deal that IX had with the now Cape Town Spurs? which was formerly known as IX Cape Town. What happened to that deal? Because that deal had so much success because about Steven Pinar, about Tulani Serrero and others came from that deal. And now that that deal is no more, can IX look for other opportunities to have the same deal again? In, in in doesn't matter which club it is because they also benefited from from that ix ix deal which you see okay thanks juicy yeah we did answer that i know your voice note came earlier on so you might have had the answer about what happened with the deal if not you can always catch the podcast there uh but obviously um we did touch on that hans there was a question about i don't know where to start about goalkeeper training, they believe that the quality and the standard of our keeper is not of our keepers is not as good as it, as it was. I don't know if you had that voice note or some of these yes. voice notes. I heard them all. Oh, thanks. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, interesting question um, about <laughs> the other question about losing the the league. I was wondering <laughs> when that when it's... when that question was going going to come because it always comes back. We're going to yeah. discuss that later. Yeah. About uh, goalkeeper coach, I don't know. I can't. I can't tell what uh, the level of goalkeeping coach in Joburg with the teams there, or in Pretoria, or in Bloemfontein. Uh, I can only speak from what I experienced in Cape Town, and we had we had decent uh, to good goalkeepers. Of course, also they have to learn a lot, but uh, there was at least uh, uh, attention for the goalkeepers every day. So I was lucky. Uh, every team that I played for, every club that I played for, we had uh, we had uh, good coach. Goalkeeper coaches. I can't judge on what they do at at guys and Chiefs, but they had good goalkeepers there. In the Chiefs, there was all uh, Ron Fernandez, uh, uh, later Itamal and Kuna, um, well, Darren Keith at the moment, Sensor Mayu passed away. Beautiful goalkeepers. So they must, be, they must have been doing something good. So, but, but the standard of goalkeeping coaching at the moment is I can't judge. Mm. 
And then to that question, then it's dominating on yeah. social media <laughs> there. They said we always. must take you back to May 2011, that 2-2 two, two yeah. draw with Murray yeah. Beck United. Mm. How, do you still have sleepless nights about what happened there? Uh, or do you have? About, uh, uh, five years. And then after five years, the first time uh, Fop and I did speak about it because it was also a nightmare for him at the end. Yeah. No, but that, it, it was it was absolutely terrible. Uh, we had a fantastic season with Foppe, uh, with a team of uh, nobodies, youngsters at that time, uh, uh, Tulane Sherero, uh, um, George Maluleke, but George, and but also uh, Kama Billiard, who was a youngster, didn't even play in the beginning. Mm. But also the likes of uh, uh, Granville Scott and Hare. What's his real name? Hare. Clayton Daniels. Clayton uh, Daniels, yes. Uh, we had a fantastic team. Or uh, Fopper made it a fantastic team. Uh, we're competing with Chiefs and, and, and Sundowns and, and, and uh, Pirates like I've never seen us doing before. Beating, um, I think, Pirates a couple of games before mm-hmm. the end, 3-0 uh, in Newland Stadium. Fantastic game. Yeah, and then it came to the last game and uh, Marisburg United, a win would have been enough. We're doing well. And yeah, then I made a mistake. Uh, Try to... Uh, I took too much time on the ball, tried to kick it away against someone else, and it was a 1-1. And the whole celebration fell apart, and the whole, uh, yeah, be, competing for winning the league was, uh, it was not gone at that time, but mm. the moment, momentum was gone. And I still blame myself for making that mistake at that time. But yeah, unfortunately, we can't change it anymore. And it did, uh, it did affect it because it was also my last season. I was 41. Mm. I couldn't uh, perform at that level any longer. Otherwise, I would have taken another year there. But it was a big, big disappointment. I think most of them for all the fans in Cape Town. And yeah, but it was me to blame. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we had a brilliant season. I think uh, the season after uh, when uh, when they sold to Lani to Amsterdam and Georgia, I think. I don't know where Georgia went. But they all left and it brought in lots and lots of money. And uh, after that, Popper said, yeah, of course, we didn't win the league. There was a big disappointment. But uh, the work of Fopper, and that was also my work, it, 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 I think it was very good for Ajax Cape Town. And Hans, when we talk about Ajax Cape Town, we always make reference to that team of, of Fopper de Han. I mean, there was a Manyama there, there was a Samik Duti yeah. there, from what I remember, Nazir Ali. Yeah. What, what did Fopper bring to this team? What did he get right? No, he saw the talents and he put the players on the right place. And that was a big difference with other coaches. Well, Mushin had to go before that time, he was also good for Ajax Cape Town. But Fopper made a few changes um, and, and he is, Foppa is fantastic in developing players. The training methods of Foppa are very simple, simple but very effective and we do it every day. Uh, gym training sessions became more important, uh, technical training sessions, technical, the whole scala of what a young player needs, uh, that was uh, what Foppa brought. And uh, for just one example, Granville Scott was always a right winger mm-hmm. before Foppa made him a number six, like a holding midfielder mm-hmm. and uh, football started Often from Hagen, uh, Clayton Daniels, to Granville Scott, to Tulane Terrero, to Terra Fontaine, who was, I think, up front. And then uh, we had a, a, a fantastic uh, center, a spine, we call it the as from the midfield. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was very good. And Foppe is, is, and I knew it because I brought Foppe to Cape Town. Oh. He, was, he was really, really good in uh, developing youngsters. And afterwards, um, when he left, uh, I saw uh, the tears in many eyes of the players after he announced his retirement, which was was normal because he wanted to go back to Holland. But uh, the likes of Kramer Scott, for example, I saw it written in a book. They made a beautiful book for Fopper that he wished he met a trainer like Fopper uh, 10 years ago because he really had attention for development of, of, of youngsters. He wasn't afraid to play them. Um, of course, he needed also some experienced players around him. 
like I was, uh, Brad Evans on left back, a little bit older, but he wasn't afraid to play all the youngsters. And on the right position, with the right tactics and well-trained. I mean, we were fantastic. We were fit. It was beautiful. And you were running teams out of all over the pitch there. And Hans, what do you make of the progress of some of those youngsters at the time? The Kamabiliat, the Manyamas was there, the George Maluleka uh, was also part of that team, Samir Duti also. Yeah. Well, I saw them going to all the top clubs in South Africa, so yeah. I think they did something well. I missed them in Europe. Uh, I was hoping one day uh, that Kamo, for example, made a choice and go and play in Europe to uh, to see uh, what if he could make a difference there as well. Unfortunately, he didn't. He stayed in South Africa. But uh, I think they all had beautiful careers. And uh, if I'm right, they also made some money, which is good for them and for their family. So I was very proud of that team. And I'm, I was very happy. Uh, I moved back to Holland in 2011 for a couple of years. And, but I followed South African football and I saw them all playing in top clubs in South Africa. And I was very proud. And the disappointment for missing the league slowly got away when I see the, uh, well, the careers that all the players had. Oh, that's wonderful, Hans. And just yeah. looking back at your time with Bafana Bafana, I mean, what would you say was your highlight at Bafana Bafana? <laughs> the 1-1 draw against Denmark, the second game, uh-huh. when uh, I've never seen so many celebrations. Um, uh, when we traveled uh, to South Africa, we traveled via, no, sorry, to France. Uh, we traveled from South Africa, six weeks in uh, camp in uh, Esland Park, somewhere in Joburg, to Buenos Aires to play a friendly in uh, Argentina, to de- Germany to uh, have a camp there, and then finally arriving in Vichy in France, where we had another four weeks camp or three weeks, I don't know, it, 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 took, it, took, it took so much time. But finally, finally, when the uh, tournament started, we, bloody, we lost 3-0 against France, yeah. two own goals. That was a big disappointment. But then the second uh, game, uh, when we were uh, competing with Denmark and we drew the 1-1, I think goal was scored by Benny. Is it Benny or Sean? Yeah, I think it was Benny. Benny. Yeah. So the celebrations afterwards with all the people, it was unbelievable. It was so nice. And then I finally had, then I thought, okay, this is what I did it for because this is what you want. You want success. You want, you want to make people happy. Mm. And the one, one against Denmark was, was a moment for me that I thought, okay, at least after all the long preparation, it wasn't for nothing. We, we made a name. We beat. We almost beat uh, Denmark. Who was he? Was a very good uh, team at that time in Europe. Mm. So we could compete as South Africans with the top team in Europe. That uh, that really made me proud. Did you swap shirts with Peter Schmeichel? <laughs> <laughs> I did. You know what you size that you wear? You I did. still have. <laughs> I, I gave that shirt away because oh. there comes Hans Funk with a tiny, small goal. Well, I'm tall, but uh, not very uh, muscular. But then Peter Smeichel's wearing, uh, I think, triple or four times XL shirt <laughs> that um, I think I could uh, fit in twice in it. But I did swap with uh, Peter Smeichel, yes. Yeah. And and how do you look back at the first game? I know Pia Issa will be remembered for those own goals. Uh, he was new yeah. to the team. South Africans didn't know him. And there he was in your back four. What did you make of that opening game? No, it wasn't very good for us. Uh, we lost 3-0. Their own goals, or maybe they would have scored anyway if he didn't touch the ball. That you never know these things. I uh, I was a bit late with the first goal. That was because of the wind. I remember the day before we trained in the stadium of Olympique Marseille. We played in Marseille, mm. and Marseille was uh, at that time. Was, I think it still is known for its Mistral wind. It's a kind of wind uh-huh. that I think you can only see in Cape Town or feel in Cape Town every now and then. But it was blowing like like hell. It wasn't normal. So also the day of the game, there was a lot of wind on the field and it was very difficult to judge the ball for me. So 
I think the first goal I was a bit late. Uh, Pierre was to blame for the second and the third goal. Um, but what I think the most thing is that, that we were so nervous. It was unbelievable. All the players that have been relaxed uh, towards the World Cup played a nice games in a in, um, nice game in Argentina. Although we lost there two 0 but it was it was it was not too bad. Played a good uh, couple of friendlies in Germany. But once once it comes to the game to the first game in France, I think we were so nervous. And as I mentioned before, that uh, that nervousness that was gone with the second game against uh, Denmark when we did much better. And there was a listener that asked in the earlier voice notes, I don't know if you had that, about the 2002 World Cup in Korea, Japan, where you basically were, played second fiddle there. How do you look back at that World Cup? Yeah, it wasn't very nice. It, uh, it was played in Korea, and uh, I expected again to be the number one goalkeeper. But uh, already uh, in, the, in the preparations towards the, the, the games in Korea, I could feel already that uh, it wasn't going my way was also me to blame. I didn't play very well uh, in the friendlies before that. So I don't know what went wrong, but uh, uh, Joe Mossono decided to play Andre Arendsen. And I think I could oh, I could not live with it because I was very disappointed. And my behavior was always not always good because I was really disappointed. But when you look back at it, I can yeah, I, I could understand it. I mean, uh, Andre was also a good goalkeeper and he did well in the games that he played. So uh, it was a pity for me. But um, yeah, that sometimes it happens in, in football. The, the the World Cup itself for me it's it's much less in my memory because first of all I didn't play but also uh, I remember going to Korea via Japan via Hong Kong I think also a long preparation again I don't know why we always did that um, <laughs> but going and then playing finally there was it was, it was a bit of a it was it was not nice we were uh, we were based in a in a in a town called Gangnam, Gangnam, or something like that, mm. far away from where everything what happened, and uh, I don't think the people there know even what was going on in their country because at that time there was not so much social media. So it was, and then we flew to the games, and the games were nice, but uh, they, well, everyone knows the end. We didn't make it, and it was it was a disappointment for me. It was not it was not the World Cup that I was hoping for. Yeah, and just finally, Hans. Now, when did you know it was the right time to 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 retire or to hang up your gloves at, at Bafana Bafana? If I remember correctly, back in the day, it was announced by the coach Stuart Baxter that you could be playing your last game in PE. Yeah, that was true, and that was um, when we didn't qualify for the World Cup in um, Germany, two thousand and six in Germany. Then I thought, yeah, do I want to go another four years towards the two thousand and 10 World Cup in South Africa, because at that time, I know it was already in South Africa, but I thought, yeah, by, that, by the time I'm 40, then I won't be make it. So I thought, let me step down and then make space for other goalkeepers to come through. And uh, afterwards, I thought maybe I should have played another one or two more years, and maybe then you never know what's going to happen. But at that time, I made a decision. I've been, I was traveling already for eight years. Um, you must know that at that time, the calendars of um, Europe and Africa were not uh, synchronized yet. Mm. So sometimes there were league games in Holland where there was national games in South Africa. So I missed a few that also created a little bit of a controversy every now, every now and then. But uh, I always try to serve both my club and the country. But it didn't always uh, work out or didn't always uh, match with each other. Now it's, nowadays it's better organized. So mm. there's an international week. So everyone plays at the same time, which is much better. But it wasn't in my time yet. 
Well, you, you still have a lot of respect from South Africans. Hans, the people are sending messages on social media. Mm. So happy to hear from you, hearing that you are involved with Ajax Amsterdam and just the wonderful insight that you've given us and tracing back your journey. Now it all adds up. People are putting the pieces of the puzzle together that you were really mm. born in Albertine and then moved to Holland. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we just brought you on, Hans. We just wanted to celebrate you, highlight what you've done, and most importantly, mm. say, just give you the respect that you deserve. Well, that is very nice. Thank you so much. It's, um, I must say, I am enjoying it. I'm always a bit, ner- I'm always a bit nervous when you go on radio, but uh, especially from so far away. But um, well, so far, so good. It's nice. That's fine. And finally, you were in South Africa recently. Do you just come to visit now? Do you still have business that you're doing this side? No, I still have my dream to uh, improve South African football. Oh. And um, with uh, the work I'm doing for Ajax, uh, the Ajax Coaching Academy at the moment in. Uh, from Amsterdam uh, towards the partnerships uh, clubs in, in, as I mentioned, in Japan and uh, China. We have a, a few of them. It's still my dream to bring that coaching academy, the link with Ajax uh, to South Africa and to link up with uh, a club in South Africa. And uh, not like Ajax did in the past, take over a club and, and have majority in, the, majority in the shares. That's not what we want. We want to link up, partner up with a with good club. Uh, in all continents. So for me, of course, that's only one uh, uh, continent that is South Africa. Africa. Uh, so my dream is still to partner up with the club in South Africa, link the youth academies uh, with each other and, and try to learn from each other and to improve. And to improve, first of all, coaches. And uh, I believe, uh, strongly believe if you have better coaches, we will have better players. That's so uh, I'm, still, I'm still working on that. So that's why I'm right. every now and then I'm in Cape Town. I love Cape Town. Uh, but... Uh, it's also that I'm still looking for opportunities to uh, bring both uh, clubs together and hopefully have a successful uh, partnership. Great. Last one on Twitter. Somebody says, why is Young Ajax struggling at the moment? Yeah. You, you know how old Young Ajax is? How old? Average age is about 17 years old. So, And they are competing in the second league in Holland. Mm-hmm. And they won it, I think, two years ago. But then it was a bit older. But nowadays, Young Ajax is 17, 18 years old. And they have to play against uh, strong, uh, not very talented, less talented, with all respect, mm-hmm. but uh, more manly teams in the Dutch Eerste uh, Divisie, that's the second league. So they're struggling sometimes. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. But if they're good enough, like the Rijn Gravenberg and uh, the other guys, like at the, at the age of Ajax, that doesn't look at age. They, they look at uh, how good you are. And if you're 18, you can play for the first team, you play in the first team. But uh, the second team is, uh, is, is very young at the moment. Okay, now Hans, we have to leave it there because of time, but thank you for speaking to us here in South Africa. We really appreciate it and all the best. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bafana legend Hans Funk there joining us all the way from um, Amsterdam. And nobody has disputed that he's a Bafana legend. He captained also at some time also. I remember that. But before we end the show, I said we're going to talk about Formula E because there is a big scope for the SABC. So let's find out more about Formula E.